for all of his people. It's not an addendum to the gospel. It's part of the gospel. And we need to know that. I'd like to read you a couple quotes. Turn to Matthew 14 with me. If you would turn there, that would help us. Matthew 14. We'll take uh, 30, 40 minutes and talk a little, and then we're going to minister to some people that might be in need of healing. We're going to read out of Matthew 14 in just a minute, but I want to read something that Brother Hagin said. Believers can't always receive healing because they're not in position to because of lack of faith or disobedience. So we need to understand that. Sometimes we just need to be taught on this subject a little further and so that teaching the Word, the Word gets us into position where we can receive. See, we talked about this this morning. We'll see it here in just a minute in Matthew 14 that when they had knowledge of him, that's the premise of them being able to go into all that country roundabout and bring all the disease to Jesus. Without the knowledge of that, they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have known to do that or they might have attempted to do that having heard maybe something done somewhere else but not having faith to believe that like over in Nazareth, they heard he did great things over in other cities. Well, you know, we hear that God's using you. They said about Jesus, God's working miracles through your hands, but it said they dishonored him. They were offended. And the Bible says he, he Jesus, could do no mighty work there in that location because of their, T-H-E-I-R, unbelief. So you can see from that passage as we think about this, uh, our faith or lack of it or our faith or whatever, unbelief means we're not believing what he said, that can put the stop on Jesus where he can't do some things he would otherwise intend to do. He's not, just like a salvation, he's not cramming that down anybody's throat, making people believe in Jesus Christ. But people have to have knowledge of that in order to believe it. And then they have to make a decision to believe to activate their faith. And it is the same with healing. Somebody said this one time, I don't know who said it, to someone who's standing in faith for their healing, their physical health depends on their spiritual health. So if you're not healthy spiritually, it's hard for you to get a hold of physical health. So as we're teaching the Word, this should begin to bring us into better health spiritually as we attend church regularly, as we connect in the church, as we fit into the church, not just our finances, but how, what we do when we come to church, a good attitude about being at church, being able to get along with other believers at church, being in the ministry of helps, all that filters into our spiritual health, having a good daily prayer life, having a good daily word time. So, hallelujah. Let me read something else. Don't make the mistake of substituting your belief in divine healing for the actual taking of God's medicine. See, some people say they believe in divine healing, but they're not taking the medicine, which is the Word of God, to be healed. That's two different things. You believe in it, but do you, do you, do, are you taking the actual Word into you? Many think that believing in divine healing alone is what heals them, but God sent His Word and healed them. Hallelujah. See, tonight I'm going to teach you out of the Bible the Word of God, and that's going to help your faith come alive greater and your understanding be broadened. And, and if you already know this, it'll deepen it and lock in even tighter that God's will is for you to be well. But you have to have a knowledge of that. And you realize I can't cover everything in one session. I hope you realize that. And you ought to, in all fairness to me, I'm not picking on doctors tonight. Uh, you've got to give me the same opportunity you would somebody that you're going to that you've had a long-standing problem and you can't seem to get around it. You're going to do whatever they tell you to do if you're intelligent. You'll go one time and maybe that doctor's never seen you or seen you very little and you just had nothing much wrong. And then you come, you've got something major and he'll say, well, we're going to have to take some x-rays here or MRI. You're going to have to take half a day off work, go down to the hospital or MRI, imaging or CAT scan, whatever it takes. And then we'll, read the, then we'll send that to somebody reading the prints and then they'll give me a report and it'll be about two weeks and expect you to be back here two weeks from today on Thursday. 
And then we're going to talk about some other things. And that proved negative, so we're going to have to uh, do some other tests here. And you do that, and every time you go, you pay your copay or you do whatever, and you're spending money and coming away from work and all that kind of stuff. Many times, again, I'm not belittling medicine doctors, but I mean, I've had tests run. I had to stay close to the potty the night before and drink a bunch of stuff that tasted tor- terribly ungodly and, and not knowing even what I put in my system. And it had a reaction on it. And then have to get up early in the morning and go down to the hospital and put a robe on with the back open like that and you got to hold it or you shoot the moon there. You know what I'm saying. You do a lot of things when you're in pain and then you do all of that. And people you don't even know crawl up on a table and, you know, disrobe and people looking at every kind of a part and whatever and and so you know listen to what I'm saying here I'm kind of making it humorous but you do a lot of things for people you don't even know and here's your pastor I'm chipping away at helping you be well helping you understand the revelation of this don't get tired of me talking about things you feel you already know because faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing it some more Hallelujah. So sometimes uh, many think that believing in divine healing alone is what heals them, but God sent His Word and healed them. His Word is the healer today. As we partake of His healing Word, the Word makes a cure in us. God's Word is the medicine that He prescribes. It won't do any good to believe in healing without actually feeding on the Word that heals. We believe in divine healing. Well, that's fine. I'm glad you do, but I believe the sky is blue, but that doesn't help me in some other areas. See, that's, you've got to feed on the word that, that, that concerning healing. The reason it takes some people time to receive their healing is because they have to be moved into a position to receive and be healed. We're, we're, see, we're moving into a position to, to what did it say, uh, to, to receive and be healed. Every time we hear something about healing... And maybe God dealing with us about something. We brought this up. I don't know how many times. You cannot be in strife with other people that you do not like or who have offended you or have done you wrong. You cannot live in health and have resentment in your heart. You cannot, 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 cannot. I believe in eating right. I believe in trying to do my best to eat nutritiously. I don't do perfect at that yet. And I, other things and, uh, you know, but I know that I can eat as much spinach. And I like spinach. I could eat as much spinach if I want, but I have all in my heart against somebody. My faith will not work. You know how I know that? I know that from the Bible. I know it from personal experience. When I tried to get my faith to work and had a problem with somebody, my faith wouldn't work for me. I tried to get it up off the couch. Get out there and work for me. And he said, no, go. You're going to have to forgive everybody. I'm not moving until you forgive. We can act funny about it. I mean, you know, I'm just being honest. People get off on all kinds of tangents. Brother Hagin said this, and I'm going to move on to the word right now. It says, if you want to live in divine health... You must live close to God. You want to live in divine health, you must live close to God. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you something else that's interesting. The, the, the Lord sometimes can get the world healed very quickly or baby believers, but it takes a little longer sometimes to get us to that place because there's adjustments we need to make because we already say we belong to Him. And maybe we're doing things or thinking things or participating in things that are hindering that. And so every time we hear some of this, it puts us into position to be healed. Let me say something else to you since I'm on this. I'm being kind of uh, just straightforth with you. It's not meanness or anything. It's helpful if you're listening. Once you get healed from something, you're going to have to be responsible, my friend. Something brought that sickness wasn't me wasn't your mate and it wasn't God something there's always a cause here's my point you're going to live in a very precarious position a dangerous position if you don't take heed once you get healed from something that you do all you can you put your whole life into God and you stay connected to God 
and you walk with God. You don't do that, you're going to be very dangerous position eventually. Now, I, don't, I haven't taught a lot about that. I don't know if I'll get into it on this teaching. I may have to come back and revisit this because I've got a lot more in me than is a little further ahead than I want to go tonight. But I'm just saying to you, listen, there's reasons why the world's sick. Well, they're under the sick one, <laughs> the devil. He's sick. Bible says he's getting weaker every day. But there's a whole other realm of reasons for the believer why people are sick that are believers. For well, number one reason, not discerning the Lord's body, not discerning what He did for us, which I've already taught you last Tuesday. He took it away. He bore it just as He bore our sins. He bore our sicknesses. You have to have a revelation of that. You don't have, it's beyond just knowing where it's at in your Bible. You've got to have to believe that yourself. And then secondly, not discerning the body of Christ around you. Not discerning the body of Christ around you. You can't just think any way, live any way, talk any way about people. That, oh, you're going to be in big trouble with God doing that. <clears throat> not discerning the Lord's body. Many are weak. Not a few, many. He's writing to the church. Many are weak. Second stage, sick. Third stage, die premature. All because they didn't discern the Lord's body. Number one, didn't discern what Jesus did. Number two, didn't discern other people in the body and their part maybe didn't discern your own part not properly connected you're not getting your supply well I come here pastor well that doesn't mean you're connected yet just because you showed up <clears throat> there's a lot to think about and I hope I'm opening up your thinking here because there's a lot that we could deal with and I'm trying to move on now we need to understand these things. This is why sometimes we, people have a lot of questions. I'm answering some of them if you're listening. Sometimes people go home early and different things like that and all kinds of things happen to people. We can't judge what I'm teaching by other people's experiences. You know very little about anybody. Do you well just to know yourself. You know, like member Steve Urkel, did I do that? Yeah, you did that. That's what you did. You opened the door. I didn't open the door to the devil for you. I'm trying to close all of them I can for you. Did you do that? Yep, you did that. The devil may have helped you. Somebody else may have provoked you, but you cooperated. See, we've got to settle some of these issues. <laughs> it said give no place to the devil. didn't tell me to not give place to the devil for your life. It told me not to give the devil place in my life. And you're in your life. All right, you're awful quiet on me. I guess you're eating good. I don't know. I mean, here's my thinking, like Lillian Yeoman said. You know, Lillian Yeomans was a medical doctor. She's went to heaven now. <laughs> she was a medical doctor for years, became a drug addict. I think a heroin addict, if I remember right. And then got saved and got delivered from all that and spent all the rest of her life, very educated woman, very spiritual woman, spent the rest of her life teaching people on divine healing. And I can tell you're listening to me and, talk, and, and watching me and taking notes. That's important. She said, I can't believe on such an important subject people would come into the church, not bring their Bible, chew gum, pick their nose, and scratch and look out the window. You know, she made a comment like that when she's teaching on such an important subject as divine healing. Being a medical doctor, she was aware that people were sick. And all the people that came to it typically were sick. You don't go to a doctor when you're whole. <laughs> See? But she said, if I pray and it doesn't work, I immediately go to changing. Listen to the man of God. I immediately go, God, i got to change because I know you're the same and it's not on your side. Somehow there's a hindrance here. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> it used to be a little song on TV when my daughter was little. and When you don't know what to do and da-da-da-da-da-da, figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Listen, I'm putting some, I'm strapping it on you, baby. Just buckling you down. Stra figure it out. I'm telling you how to figure it out, but you're going to have to do a little something yourself. <laughs> you know, you, 
Well, Pastor Jacobs has got it. And then you get up here one day and I lay hands on you. I'm samely anointed, maybe more anointed than the last time I ministered. You don't get a thing because you never figured it out. Oh, man. Father, I wish I'd get some response in here. Could you help me? Brother Hagin said, of course, he wasn't primarily a pastor, but he pastored for 12 years. He said most of the people got healed in his church didn't get healed from gifts of the Spirit. They got healed by teaching, him teaching them. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we said this morning, I'm going to make another comment. I'm spending a little time. These aren't in my notes. It's just coming out of my spirit. Sometimes the Spirit of God will anoint a man of God or a woman of God, somebody, to minister to you. We get a word of knowledge. Somebody's here, got a problem in your neck, got right knee messed up, got a left ankle messed up, can't breathe right. Da, 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 da. Praise God. Those are called gifts of healings and word of knowledge primarily and gifts of healings. And in my case, I got a healing endowment. And there's other factors into that. But this is my point. That's from God instigating something towards you. And that ain't going to work for everybody because that doesn't always work every service because that's not in operation every single time. Listen to me clearly. But that doesn't matter. You could instigate your own healing if you had faith to receive it and move towards God yourself and say, I believe I receive. Isn't that what you wrote that time? I believe I receive. I believe I receive. Pretty bad singing for me. But I believe I receive. When do you believe you receive it? When you pray. When do you have it after you believed? You received it. Not just believed it, believed you received it. Then you'll have it. When do you have it? After you believed you received it. I'm going to go over this again and again on faith, but I think you're getting a hold of a little bit of it. But see, we've got to realize there's two things. One, God can activate something from His side. He's God. But I can always activate my faith towards Him and receive it. There's 19 individual cases in the the Gospels where people were healed. I'm talking about individuals. And 12 out of the 19, those people all had faith. He said to them, according to your faith, be it unto you according to your faith, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Not my ability. I'm I'm using me as Jesus now. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Think about that. Their faith made them whole. Your faith. Your faith in what? Your faith in His ability to heal you. Your faith in His... His revelation that you're redeemed. Your faith in whatever avenue you choose to to pick up your healing at. Laying on of hands, prayer of agreement, whatever. Your, Your faith makes you whole. I'm I'm grateful for all the gifts of the Spirit that have operated through me towards other people. I didn't get anything out of it except to edify the body and see them get well, and I'm thankful they could. And sometimes when people are not taught or haven't been taught much, not because it hadn't been available, but because they hadn't paid attention, God will allow me to use my faith to bless and heal and get them delivered, but He won't let me use that forever on the same people. Hallelujah. I love my kids. They come over. They still stick their head in the refrigerator. What do you got? But I'd be shocked if Jordan came over for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. He got his own refrigerator. Yeah. We we don't treat him like he's a preschooler anymore. We don't drive him to school every morning and pray with him while he sits in the you know the seat strapped in. Pay attention. He's twenty four years old almost. Getting there. How old are you? 23. You're going to be 24, right? In July, next birthday. Hallelujah. Well, I said, man, I didn't know all that. I'm glad you, you're learning something then tonight. Trying to help everybody. Stay well. Be well. Stay well. Maintain your health. Hallelujah. You're really serious about being well. You'll have to deal with your feelings, your emotions, and what you allow yourself to do in the earth your attitudes your ambitions your dreams are they in line with God's plan for your life or did you just make something up I'm not challenging you I'm trying to help you see sometimes you can get so stretched out with all kinds of projects God never even told you to do wear yourself out and then you come to church you don't even pay attention 
It's talking here, trying to help people. It's none of this is in my notes, but it's all just flowing out of my spirit. I, I know that for most part, you, the body here, the members here, you're pretty intense, or you wouldn't even be under this kind of ministry. You just go somewhere we get a little pablum. That's watered down milk. And you'd be happy and just go home, live any way you want, come back the next week. But I know you're sincere for the most part. I think you are. You wouldn't want to be under a ministry like this because it's kind of challenging. It's not challenging because I'm challenging. It's challenging because we're teaching the Bible and the Bible challenges you. We ought to grow up in all things unto him. Isn't that what it says? And even if you had a little milk, you could grow. We throw in a little chunk of meat here and there. Or at least some chicken. Occasionally we get to some real beefy stuff, but hallelujah. I'm in Matthew 14. Let's read 34 through 36. You ought to maybe get this tape a lot on it. When they were gone over, unto they, unto, over, they came into the land, Matthew 14, 34. When they were gone over, Jesus and his crew, I call it, Jesus and his staff, into the land of Gennesaret, like you'd go to Sellersburg or something. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I don't know, there's something about this passage, I'm still milking it and chewing on it. There's just more juice in that bone. You ever seen an old dog with a bone? You just think he's, he's riddled it down to nothing. He buries it and goes back a month later and you see him in the backyard. There ain't nothing left in that. It's an old dry cob, but no, it's got more in it somewhere. He's just a gnawing for all it's worth. <clears throat> don't cows lick salt when they need it isn't that right Paul Paul the farmer ex-farmer but they had knowledge of him what kind of knowledge they must have had knowledge he was a healer and they went out into all that country the whole area and brought all that were diseased they didn't distinguish you can have it you can't you can't yeah you and you and you because we like you but you can't have it this is why God never puts healing in the hands of men to do it their will because there are some people maybe people wouldn't want to heal other people they would want healed they don't, they don't qualify and on and on we could go with stuff like that hallelujah but he does use people that have healing ministries to help others that are in need of healing get a hold of what I'm saying notice this phrase here too besides had knowledge of him that's critical but this last phrase at the third, verse 36 as many as touched were made perfectly whole I don't know there's just something about that perfectly whole you can be healed but you can also be made perfectly whole I mean you know that may not be important to you now if you're 13 or 25 or 31 or something like that but you know you're going to get older if you make it and you know your body you have to learn to maintain it and it wants to react sometimes when it gets older and it decides to react even people younger for different reasons but You've got to learn to understand that Jesus knows how to make you perfectly whole. All the hormone regulations, all the joints and marrow of your bones, all the things in your electrical system in this body, chemicals that are regulated by your brain, all of that. And I just speak divine government over my body every day. What I mean is for every part to work right and to function right and Jesus' name forbidding sickness and disease to invade this body. Now, it would have no strength in it if I'm going to live a lifestyle that's contrary to the Word of God. You're with me, right? Yeah. Didn't say you couldn't have fun, just have the right kind of fun. So it says here, as many as touch, that would mean everybody who touched could be made perfectly whole. All right. Now I'm going to have to move a little quicker. Let's go to, let's go, let me think here where I want to go here. Let's, let's go over here to, again, for a minute, to Matthew 8. We talked about this a little bit uh, this morning, Matthew 8, 1 through 3. I want to run by that scripture one more time. And then we may uh, see where our time's at and where we go from here. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. And when he was come down, Jesus, from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper. We would call that the cancer of, of Jesus' day, but certainly a deadly disease, a dreaded disease. Maybe not fatal immediately, but it'd make you, 
be tormented, people that have leprosy, and, and worshipped him saying, this leper came and worshipped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He removed the if out of that, out of that equation. When you come to God, you have to have it settled that this is God's will for me to be well. Now it's evident this man heard something about Jesus or he wouldn't have come to him. But at the same time, he had a question mark. And see, this is why sometimes people try to come and get something, but there's a question mark. I don't know if this is God's will. I don't know if he'll do that. And he's, Jesus is settling it for us for eternity that he is willing. He is willing. Say, he is willing. And he touched him and said, I will. And then this morning we read, I won't go over there, Romans 2.11, God is no respecter of persons, or we would say it, he doesn't have any partiality with people. So if he healed this leper and it was his will to heal him, it's God's will to heal me. God's will to heal you. This has to be settled in your thinking. It's the number one Brother Hagin, after almost 70 years of teaching healing, said the number one thing that trips people up, not knowing the will of God for healing and that man had some revelation very few have ever attained to in my opinion but anyway so if he says that's the number one thing that must be the number one thing I mean he tells about going to churches can you imagine this going to a church to teach and he would have morning meetings and night meetings and he said some of the years he traveled he wouldn't go for less than three weeks at a time brother Andy he wouldn't even go there for less they gave him three weeks some of me preached four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks one time. Two meetings a day, took off Saturdays, rested, take a day off. Here's another issue for your body. Some of you workaholics get aheaders. You might get ahead for a while when you're young, but your body will kick back on you somewhere down through there. You had to lay it out at home, go to the quick care, go to the emergency room, or lay it out in the morgue. Listen to me, you lay your land out every seven years. God said, lay your land out. Guess what your body's made out of? Dirt. You can't just run, 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 run. They do run, 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 they do run, run. They fall apart, they fall apart, they get sick, sick. They do run, 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 they do run, run. Oh, oh, can't you see me run? Can't you see me run, run, run? And then some of you, you're not that energetic, but inside you're running. Oh my, you're the duck syndrome people. You look smooth on the outside, but underneath you're paddling to beat the band, trying to figure it all out. No wonder you're not on antidepressants. You're not going to figure much out of your head. I don't care how smart you are. That's for mechanical stuff and <laughs> stuff like that. Math, that's fine, but this is spiritual stuff. Going to have to rest your body. See, now I struggled with this for years. You can ask my family. I struggle with this. And you don't have a day off and like doctor says, walk around the coffee table 15 times. What are you doing? What do you mean what am I doing? You're walking around the coffee table for 30 minutes. To learn to get quiet. Boy, I don't know how come this is so good tonight, but you need to hear me. Yeah, but I like the radio. I like noise. I got to call somebody. I got to listen to somebody's calling me. Some of you are just so conscious of all that stuff, you know. You know, don't go out to lunch with me and talk to people on the phone if you love me and respect me. That's so disrespectful. I mean, occasionally I do talk, take a call if it's from Dr. Dufresne or a pastor that I'm expecting a call from, but I try my best not to talk on the phone the whole time I'm trying to have lunch with somebody. I'm just talking about a lot of things here. Not even in my notes. You can come look after if you don't believe. See, you know, we got you know, we're just driven in this world. We're just driven. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do another project. I'm going to add something onto that. And I'm going to add something onto. Well, let me ask you: Did God tell you to do that, or did you just make that up? I'm not criticizing. God told you to do it. Go after it, baby. But listen, you're still going to have to rest your body one day a week. I didn't say lay in bed all day. I just said learn to rest that you're not so You know what zzz is? Christy, you know what zzz is? 
How about you, David Herbs? You know what zzzz is? Okay. How about you, Brother John? Zzzz. You know, you just wound so tight. You get like that, you need to go, go somewhere and pray in tongues for a little bit. Get in the Bible. Just put your Bible in front of you. Open it to a favorite passage and read it. Look at it. Meditate. Sit back and think about it. Calm yourself down. Jordan always teases me when he was younger. He was doing something, something one time. I said, simmer down. <laughs> you know, he says, Bzzz. I didn't assign any letters to him either. But I just said, simmer down. You know, my kids got something. A, D, B, C, 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 F, R, C, C, Q, S, 2. Even if the doctor said they had it, I wouldn't agree with it. I'd learn to say something else that you could teach your children to simmer, simmer down a little bit. <clears throat> you could take that or leave it. But you're going to have to learn to rest. So this tells us it's God's will for you to be healed. It's God's word tells us it's his will for me, say for me, to be healed. Because he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for him, he'll do it for me because he loves me. <laughs> and he does. He loves us. Hallelujah. All right. Let's, let's go here. Let me see where I want to go. Let's, uh, <clears throat> okay, let's go to 1 John. Let's go over here. I think I want to talk about this a few minutes. I, I didn't know I had that much in me tonight. A lot of it just came out of me, just, you know, more by the Holy Ghost than my notes, but. 1 John 4 and 8, I want to talk a little bit with you about misunderstood scriptures. Sometimes they get people in a tizzy, not understanding properly, not rightly dividing the Word of God. I didn't go into all that with you, but there's Timothy, and then Peter tells us some people can wrestle the scriptures to their own destruction. Can you believe that? Take the Bible and tear yourself up. This is why we need pastors and ministers and people who rightly divide, who study to show themselves approved unto God and then feed that flock the Word of God. We found this morning in Ezekiel. Remember Ezekiel 34? I'm in 1 John 4. But in Ezekiel 34, he criticized or he rebuked. It says, prophesy against the shepherds or the pastors. Same word. In the Hebrew, the word shepherd means pastor. In the Greek, the Greek word means pastor. Shepherd and pastor is the same. The Greek word and the Hebrew word in its original language both mean to feed. That's what a shepherd does. He feeds the flock. That's what a pastor does. He feeds the flock. Hallelujah. Sometimes people, sheep will want to say, well, why, don't, why don't we talk about that? Because God didn't tell me to go to that particular pasture. P-A-S-T-U-R-E. He told me to keep you over here in this pasture for now. And if you're a good sheep, you go, yes, pastor, I'm following. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Oh, I like that. Hallelujah. So we're looking here about sometimes, I uh, want to prove something about God here first, talking about him so we don't misunderstand some scriptures and rightly divide it. First John 4 and 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love notice that God is love God is love see some religions teach well we're going to kill all the infidels well God is love so they must not be serving the God of the Bible because he's love <laughs> isn't that right yeah so I want to show you that God is love. Now, knowing God is love, we couldn't see a God. Now, it doesn't say he has love. It says he is love. It's not like he's taking a little glass of love every day and drinking it. No, he is love. If I can say, he's the epitome of love. He's the climax of love. He's the beginning of love and the end of love and everything in between. He is love. And not just, this is not physical love or or, or husband and wife love or friendship. This is the agape love of God. This is who he is. He's, it's oozing out of him. That's who he is. God is love. Remember as many as touched Jesus were made perfectly whole because the love and the power flowed out of him when people had faith in him that he would be their healer because he's love. 
You don't ever see Jesus putting sickness on anybody. Even people that were not right. I mean, it's evident the guy in the temple that got healed that day, you know, I think that's in, I don't know, John 5 or something, wherever it's at. It's not important right now. It's in the Bible. I know I read it. But the point is, he got healed and the people were astonished. Well, you can't carry your bed around on the Sabbath, you bad boy, you. Well, the man that healed me said to take up my bed and go home. Well, who was that guy? We're after him now. We want his hide. I don't know who he is. He ran off. He walked away. I was so excited to be healed, he got lost in the crowd. Jesus found him again and said, Now go and sin no more. Now listen to what I'm saying. So he was sinning, but that didn't stop Jesus from healing him, but he gave him a warning, Now don't go back and sin anymore. Remember James tells us, written to baby believers, even if you sin, you can be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another and be healed. So even a lifestyle that's not been everything it should be, you can come to Jesus, get that settled, get that guilt off of you. Well, I haven't lived like I should. Well, a lot, everybody could say that. But you need to let Jesus wash you in his blood. You need to let the word cleanse you of all that and realize that he's love. And he's going to go ahead and heal you if he, can, if he can get it to you. If you didn't disqualify yourself by getting in unbelief or getting in fear that he's not going to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're listening to me. Thank you, Mike. For He's raising his hands over there and John's got a hand back there. Do I got a hand here and a hand here? God is love. I want that to sink in. And the Bible says in Malachi 3 and 6, I'm not turning there. I am the Lord God. I change not. So he was loved back in creation. He'll be loved after we're here. He'll be loved for eternity because that's what he is. He's not about to change. So in thinking God is love, that begins, we got to understand there's some scriptures here hard to be understood. Go back to Isaiah 45 a minute with me. We talk about a couple scriptures that... It's surface value and surface looking. It looks like God's the heavy, but we know he's not. I, I, I know that there's a lot of controversy about it, but it's not once you let it get settled. I don't know what it was. I hit our country a few years ago. I don't remember. I remember Mr. So-and-so from Liberty College made a comment. That's God's judgment on us. Honey, if God's judgment was on us, you would, you'd be fried. We'd all be gone. You have no idea what judgment is. There are some people who do some bad things and create foolish decisions and make other people pay. I understand that. The innocent always suffer for the guilty. But if you'll stand in faith in your covenant, you won't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. He still promised you long life. All right. So somebody's got to explain some of these scriptures, but I mean, you know, and people make statements like that, and I understand all that. I understand that, you know. And some, some, some people have given themselves, some countries have given themselves over to the devil. And he always brings tragedy and confusion. But God is still love. That doesn't change God. God's will is to save that nation. God's will is to move in that nation. God's will is to move in that city. God's will is to move in that household. He's not able to sometimes because people are worshiping everything but Him. But God is love. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? He also said what? Seed time and harvest. So if people just idle their life away and get involved in things they shouldn't and, and, and begin to think strange things about God by not having a pastor or getting where they can be taught or take something out of its context, then sometimes that creates problems for people. Hallelujah. But God is love. God is love. God is love. You know, I think I could say it this way to simplify your thinking. There's a lot more authority in you and responsibility in you for how you live and what you get out of life than you've ever dreamed. I know we want to tell, you know, well, wonder if God would do this and what about the devil and just get it hold of yourself. 
and say, praise God, I'm redeemed and, I, and I'm delivered and I take dominion over darkness and I rebuke it away from me and I stand in faith for God's covenant to come into pass in my life and find you some scriptures and begin to talk that and put that in your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, you know, people make statements. It may be true. I don't know. I don't think it always is true. But some people make statements that are nationally known ministers about God's judgment and God's this and, and just confuses everybody. Implying that somehow God's in control down here. And like somebody said, if he is, he sure got it in a mess. He sure got it in a mess, in my opinion, too. If he's in charge. No, he's not in charge. He gave his charge to Adam. Said, Adam, be in charge. Here's my coat. Here's my weaponry. I'm breathing into you who I am. My essence is in you. My authority and dominion is in you. Now rule and reign, son. He turned it over to the devil. And then the devil began to rule and reign. He wasn't nothing good about him. He already was full of rebellion and arrogance and beauty and things like that. The Bible says he was an anointed chair, but he wasn't happy there. He wanted, he wanted to be God himself. And then he just began to run havoc in the earth. And that's what we're dealing with today. All the havoc, all the, all the confusion, all the this and the that's and all the... Praise God. Do you know what? God didn't make it hard. Just stick with the Bible. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I can read and I know my Father. I know my Heavenly Father and He's smart. He didn't make this complicated. Am I making sense to you? Look at verse 7, Isaiah 45, 7. I form the light and create darkness... I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Well, let me, let me tell you what it says here. This word create does not mean what you think it means. And he says, I create evil. Now, if God created good and evil, then he'd be schizophrenic. You know what I mean by that? He'd be confused. He'd be part light, part dark. No, God is light, the Bible says, and he is good. And it says here, he creates evil. The word create there is the Hebrew word permits. He permits it because he isn't left with any other option but to permit what man permits. Isn't that right? He's not, he's not creating environments for people to do terrible things and then go to prison. He's not creating bad situations for people to be abusers of mankind and all the weirdness that's on the 6 o'clock news. But he permits it because he doesn't have a choice. Because man has a will. And Adam gave up his dominion and gave it to the devil. And the devil is the God of this world, this natural world, the way the world thinks, the way the world behaves, the way the world judges things, their value system and things like that. So we need to straighten this out. Let, let, now remember that. Let's go to James 1. Let's see here. Let's, we're getting some truth to you if you're listening. Because we're talking about now misunderstood scriptures. Aren't we? And James 1 tells us something. What did it say back in, in Isaiah? I am the Lord, I create evil. But I'm telling you, it doesn't mean he's the creator of evil. He allows it because men allow it. Men allow evil. Men allow those type of things to go on. Let's look here at uh, James 1.13 and following. Let no man say. How many? No man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Well, how could he create evil if he can't be tempted with it? Neither tempteth he any man. He doesn't tempt any man with evil. Does he say that or not? But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires or lust and enticed. And when lust or uh, desire has conceived in somebody's heart, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. In other words, this is how the law of sin and death operates. Verse 16, do not err, my brethren, my beloved. Do not be in error, my sister and brother. The, the brethren talking about the body of Christ. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So this tells us clearly that to get, we could get in error if we begin to misunderstand what I'm saying right here. And he said this in here to help us stay straight. Every good gift comes from the Father. Every perfect gift comes from the Father. Now, what did he say? He doesn't tempt man with evil. 
Didn't that say that? All right, let's go back to Deuteronomy here a minute. Deuteronomy, go back to Deuteronomy 7 real quick here. Deuteronomy 7, let me show you something here. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 15. I, I think this would help us a great deal. We're talking about unraveling some, some misunderstood scriptures. Let me say this. If there's no sickness in heaven... And if people that say God is the author of this, He put that on you, where would He get it? If God is love, where would He get sickness and disease? If He can't be tempted with evil, where would He find evil? Would He come down and rob from the devil who's the evil one and then put it on His own children? I mean, what kind of thinking is that? that that's not sensible. That's not even logical. Am I, am I being clear with you? We, 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 we got to get this settled that it's God's will to heal me of every sickness and every disease and every pain, every infirmity, every weakness because He paid the price for me to be redeemed. If I'd have been taught this as a preschooler, I would not have went through a lot of things I did as a child. My parents didn't know any better. All they knew was get sick, don't recover quick, go to the doctor. That's all they knew. See, that's all they knew, Amish. Remember I said, would you want to go back to having a horse to go to work on, a little buggy, a little black buggy? We don't even have a heater in those things. They may have, I don't know, but you're just going to ride to work tomorrow in their little buggy with your little bonnet and your little wheels clicking along, you know. You wouldn't do that. You don't think like that. You're beyond that. How come? Because knowledge brought you forward. Uh, invention brought you forward creativity brought you forward why would we want to go back under a system that's not even right to begin with when we could be riding around in a vehicle why would we want to go backwards hey the church is the only organization I know that's going backwards in a lot of things yeah this happened in the 70s and 80s I saw it start happening I'm sure today they, they got a psychologist on staff to help you with all your weirdness. When all you need to do is live right, repent, and get a pastor, and if you need deliverance, come and get ministered to and get the devil knocked out of you. Thrown out of you. And then learn what the preacher tells you, how to stay clean, stay right, stay normal, stay healthy, stay sound, stay well, stay complete. See, people going back the world's way. Isn't that right? We can incarcerate people and put them, lock them away and, and either give them drugs like that or take their drugs away, but they're just a frustrated addict without their drugs. They don't do something to change the inside of them. The moment they get out, they're back in that lifestyle. Don't you watch TV? You know, the detective stories? No, I'm teasing a little bit. No, percentage-wise, there's a high percent of people that have been in prison go back. Not all of them. Of course not. And some of them need to pay for what they've done. Some of them may need to be executed for what they've done, but, but they can go to heaven. But see, we, we, the, the churches went backwards in how we handle things. We need to get more scriptural in some things. I'm talking here about healing and health right now. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 7.15, I'm going to have to hurry. It says, And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness... And will put, the Hebrew word is allow, and will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt, or I would say a type of the world, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Notice that. God's talking to his people here, and he said, I'm going to take away from you all sickness and not allow any evil disease. So disease is what? Disease is evil. So let me ask you, would a God who is love, a God who is righteous, a God who is holy and tells you to come out from among the others out of the darkness and walk in the light, why would he put evil on you to teach you something? I mean, that doesn't even make sense now that we're starting to see our Bible more clearly. 
No disease. And I didn't say the person who's sick is evil. I'm saying disease, sickness, and pain is from the evil one. See, we read this morning, remember in Acts 10, 38, I'm just going to quote it, how God the Father anointed Jesus the Son with the Holy Ghost, there's all three of them, with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing. Doing good, not evil, doing good and healing. Doing good and healing, doing good and healing, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The devil's the author of oppression the devil's the author of sickness and disease, and it is evil because it comes from the evil one. God is righteous. God is holy. God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He didn't switch place with the devil. He don't got the devil on a long chain like a sickum dog. The devil is self-employed. You understand what I mean by that comment? He's working for himself out here. <coughs> Yeah, yeah, I heard this on the mm, History Channel. Theologians. Yeah, some theology says even the devil will be saved. The devil's not going to be saved. He's going to hell where he belongs. He's not there right now, but he's going. Gosh. And these were prestigious seminaries in North America preaching, teaching preachers. How stupid. You know, I even had somebody here do that in one of our classes, and I heard about it, and I brought them in. They were from a good Bible school in North America. I won't mention the name. I said, did you say this to those children? Yeah, I said, what is the matter with you? I know that, that I know Brother Hagen didn't teach you that, or nor any other professor there. You're fired. You can stay in the church, but I'm taking your credentials away. You're not teaching my kids. You don't know any better than that. I feel sorry for you. What's the matter with you? The devil's going to be saved. That's a lie. The devil's not going to be saved. <laughs> he's evil, and he's going to continue to be evil. <laughs> I'm trying to prove something here. Sickness, disease is evil. See, we're, we're dealing with a, a, a an entity and a... a a substance here, sickness and disease, it's evil. I wanted to get that over to you. I didn't say the person was evil, but that the sickness and disease is evil. The Bible says overcome evil with good. You overcome evil, you overcome disease with the word of God, with the power of God, with the faith of God. Let's go to Isaiah 5. I'm going to close it with something over here. Tonight, you hope you got something. I believe you should have. My goodness, we've talked about a lot of things. Now, we're talking, remember we started tonight, I think we started in Matthew 14, talking about they had knowledge of him. Remember that comment? Look at Isaiah 5.13. Therefore, Isaiah 5.13, Therefore, my people, when he refers to his people, he's referring to covenant people, are gone into captivity... Because they have no knowledge. Now we're looking at this as far as sickness and disease. And so, and we found this morning what? That when Jesus taught over at the synagogue, remember in Luke 13, 10 through 16, and the woman said, a daughter of Abraham, <clears throat> remember her? He said, Satan had bound her or captivated her for 18 long years. You remember that comment? So it says here, Therefore my people, covenant people, are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. See, knowledge in the Scriptures is, is it's just so important to have the right knowledge about who God is and what He does and does not do. Now, I want to show you something else that's even more devastating that people do. And unfortunately, they do that. In verse 20... Same passage, Isaiah 5.20. Woe unto them that call evil good. I, I would just say it in the most simple way to you. When God says woe like that to anything he says woe to, that is a dangerous place to be on that end of the woe. When he says, you know, get into the New Testament. He says, woe unto thee, Karazon, that city. If the works had been done in Sodom that were done in you, the city would still be here. 
In other words, my God, you're going to get a judgment like you ain't never believed because you rejected truth. Boy, I mean, that's a big... And you know, nobody ever got healed in that city the rest of Jesus' life. The rest of his earthly ministry. He had to take people out of the city to get them healed. There was so, so, so much unbelief there. He was ticked. I mean, when you say woe unto somebody, when God or Jesus says woe, you would look it up yourself. It is not a good place to be on the end of a woe. You don't want to be find yourself over there woe. And notice what it says. Woe unto them that call evil good. And furthermore, and good evil. Well, you believe in all that faith healing and stuff? Sure do. And they act like that's a slam. I don't get it. See, woe unto them. See, see, and this is what happens. Sometimes people call healing evil and call the sickness good. Well, God put this on me to teach me. Well, what did it teach you? It didn't teach you. That's not God's way of teaching. He uses the fivefold ministry, He uses the Holy Ghost, and He uses the Word. That's the only three things I can find in the New Covenant that He teaches with. The Word of God, the Holy Ghost, and the fivefold ministry. Woe unto them that call evil good. Woe unto them that call sickness and disease good and healing and health evil. This is pretty serious talk, I know, but I'm just pointing out something to you there. And, and that put darkness for light and light for darkness and that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I never will forget. I'm going to close with this. I'm trying to bring some truth to you that God wants you well and God wants you healed and God's paid the price for you to be well and healed. And that's, you need to know that. We don't fight with people. I don't fight with people that want to, uh, you know, say, make fun of me or make fun of the healing mess. Well, you're just off on some tangent. No, I'm not off on anything. Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord's palm. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the gospel. I already know what that means. Then he says, and healing to the blind, deliverance for the oppressed. So, see, he, part of his, the gospel and the anointing was for healing. I remember we had a young lady in our church here, bless her heart, wonderful lady. I appreciated her. I, I, I liked her a lot as a person. And uh, she got cancer, I don't know how many times, three or four times, and her body was just riddled. And finally, uh, she, she just said to me in the hospital, Pastor, I, I just can't go on. So I talked to her a little bit and tried to encourage her, you know. And, of course, we'd had a lot of talk, talks before, me and Donna with her and different things. i got to watch what I say because there's other other people involved you know in her household but she had three children three boys if I remember right they were pretty young two of them particularly so anyway I went to the hospital to see her and, they, and she said pastor just let me go <laughs> he said I'm tired I, I just don't want to fight no more you know a lot about my life I've told you a lot you and Donna and I'm done she said can you talk to me a little about heaven how to die in faith. How would you like to be the pastor then? I said, I'd rather not, but I will for you, but since you asked me, you know, because I can tell I'm not going to persuade you to stay. And I said, yeah, I can talk to you about it. And I read her some scripture, had my Bible, and talked to her about it, and laid hands on her, and told her what to do, kissed her on the forehead, and said, I sure love you, and I'll see you on the other side. Well, she made it a request to her husband to have me do part of the funeral with the husband's pastor. And we're at a church that, uh, for the most part, wouldn't teach, you know, what we just said here, call evil good and good evil. They filled up their little chapel, which is bigger than our sanctuary here. It seats more than this, probably, or maybe equivalent to this today. It's packed. Put those little boys on the front, front pew. Well, I told him, I said, God didn't kill your mother. I just want you to know, boys, the devil's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Boy, if looks could have killed, I'd have been dead. Yeah. You know, 400 people, and they were mostly stacked with people from his church, which is a big church. 
But you know, I wanted to try to convey to those boys that God wasn't the heavy. God wasn't the destroyer. How many follow me? I wasn't being mean. I wasn't trying to get them to believe, the whole congregation to believe in healing then. I mean, it's done for her. We're, she's gone. We're just taking her body and putting it in the ground somewhere. But I wanted those boys to know God didn't kill your mother. And uh, disease that comes from the devil killed your mother. Boy, the people were gnashing the teeth, I think. I just went ahead and preached, felt good about it, still do to this day. Hallelujah. Wasn't trying to be a hero, just trying to help those boys realize, because I don't know what they're hearing from that other standpoint theologically, you know. God, you know, how would you, how, how would you want to serve God if you were 10 years old and you had to bury your mother and somebody told you God did it? What kind of God would you serve that's out murdering your parents? I mean, that's gross. That's, that's grotesque. That's calling evil good. Hallelujah. Well, I've preached a long time tonight. I know you're happy about it. Sure hit a lot of baseballs out of the field tonight. Home run. I think a couple of them went over the wall. All right. Now let's stand up together. Miss